Did you know a 2018 study showed half of prenatal vitamins tested had unacceptable levels of heavy metals? I'm Kat, mother of three and founder of Ritual. When I was four months pregnant, I couldn't find a prenatal I could trust, so I created my own. Ours is made traceable, third-party tested for heavy metals, and recently earned the Purity Award from the Clean Label Project. But don't just take my word for it. Get 25% off at virtual.com slash podcast. The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. You're listening to the Best Morning Routine Ever podcast, the show that proves no one stumbles upon success ever. With your host, Lou Need. Every Mondays and Thursdays, we deliver cold heart evidence behind the power of a robust morning routine. Get ready to be transformed by the renewal of your mind. Hello, morning enthusiasts. Welcome to the Best Morning Routine Ever podcast. I am your host, Dr. Lunit. And today, I have the honor of introducing a very special guest to the show, Levi Campbell. Levi is a dedicated industrial hygienist and partner at Aura, driven by his belief that everyone deserves a safe and healthy work and living environment. With a diverse background in mining, metal refining, construction, and manufacturing, he brings extensive industry knowledge to identify health risks and hazard in the environment. So I'm really, really excited to have him on board. So with no further ado, Levi, welcome to the show. Yeah, thank you. Thanks for having me. Of course, of course. Now, tell us about what about the journey. What, how has this, you know, the health and safety um, specter been such, has been intriguing for you and kind of led you down this path? Sure. Yeah. Um, so uh, I, I kind of fell into it almost by accident. Um, I was doing the sciences in university and, you know, I, I had never heard of the industry at all, like industrial hygiene. If you had asked me during my undergraduate, I wouldn't have known what that is, as you know, a lot of people don't. Yeah. And then I happened to get a job, you know, when I graduated, I happened to get a job just almost by luck there, you know, I was searching Craigslist, you know, it's kind of hard sometimes after you graduate with an undergrad. Um, and I didn't, uh, I saw a job uh, for environmental consulting and I didn't really know too much about it. And um, so I kind of fell into that by chance. And then that's kind of like a very niche little uh, section of industrial hygiene. And, and then from there, I explored it further and went back and did a master's and kind of, you know, now practice more broad scope industrial hygiene. But um, yeah, so and I don't think that's uncommon for a lot of people. It's kind of a, you know, a small niche industry. And I think a lot of people kind of fall into it by chance. It's not mm -hmm. really well known. Like, you know, everyone knows, you know, lawyers, engineers, things like that. But um, not too many people know what industrial hygiene is. A lot of people think we clean teeth when you just, you know, talk to someone <laughs> at, a, at a party or something like that. So, yeah. Yeah, that, that is interesting. Yeah, it is super niche. And um, I myself had to look it up. But then... I worked at a gas and electric company oh, yeah. and I can see the need, right? Because then yeah. you're working around all the metal, you're working with around the engineers. And a lot of times you might come across this, there are um, what do we call them? 
those labor laws that come into place that environment has to be certain risk and safety has um protocols have to be put in place and so um i was fairly intrigued to know that oh this is a position it's not something you go to college that i'm going to study this but you do fall into it as you mentioned so Mm -hmm. um tell us about aura health and safety and how you are helping companies and keeping people safe in those environments. Sure. Yeah. So we're a consulting company. Um, The principal Mona and myself uh, started it up in 2016. We were both with like a larger firm. And then we found that, uh, you know, having a, having a smaller uh, firm allowed us a little more flexibility to uh, focus on, you know, take jobs on that were more of interest and, you know, just more flexibility. So that's kind of basically how Aura was started, just to have more flexibility and um, uh, projects that to take on. Um, and then, yeah, so we work in a wide variety. So as you kind of mentioned at the beginning, we we, we are in the mining industry. So we help, um, we help mining firms. A lot of the time it's around monitoring like the actual workers, uh, you know, exposure to uh, metals and rock dust and things like that. And then any any programs that go with that. So programs in place to help mitigate those exposures and keep those kind of workers safe, you know, going from one end, like really heavy industry, like mining to something totally different. We, we do a lot of work in the film industry. Um, so film industry, there are some, you know, exposure hazards that we do help people manage and mitigate, um, and everything in between. So sometimes it's government construction. So any kind of like exposure. So, so that's the kind of neat thing about industrial hygiene is that there's very, I'd say there's few workplaces and few industries that do not have some element that could potentially be, you know, uh, looked at from an industrial hygiene and air quality standpoint. So there's not too many industries out there that, you know, we we couldn't potentially do some work in. Yeah. So a lot of our work's in mining and film, but uh, and construction, but we we do do the odd job in other industries as well. Yeah, no, that's that's interesting to hear. But when you said film, that just kind of like light bulb went off. I didn't think that industry would actually need mm-hmm. an industrial hygienist to come in because I think of this as uh, with a lot of people that works that are part of unions too, right? Like, do mm-hmm. is yeah. that okay? Yeah, yeah, lots of unions, uh, multiple different unions in the film industry for sure. So yeah, sometimes we will work right with a union to like help them solve something or look at something. And then other times we might be hired by the employer and they might be doing something, you know, that's uh, not against the union, but just, you know, coming, coming at it from a different standpoint. So for sure. Yeah. And I can um, maybe see you getting hired on, from the government piece of it, especially for like a gas and electric company, as I said, where it's like government, what county wise and all that, because then those regulations. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. And we do do lots in government and like kind of like semi-government, um, like energy and stuff. Some of them are they're they're like private companies, but at one time they weren't. And, it, you know, it's basically government, government funds and stuff. So we do lots in that uh, that realm as well. Yeah. So when I'm just talking about slips and falls and a wet floor, we're talking about mitigating risk. Let's let's dive into that. What some of those those hazards that I imagine chemicals, fumes. Um, right. That's right. Yeah. So typically, it, it's usually kind of in uh, three broad uh, steps. So um, typically, when we get brought in, first thing is to um, recognize and kind of identify the hazards. So you come in and, you know, you might do a walkthrough with somebody or it might be information they present you or there's lots of different ways you might get that information. But once you've kind of identified those potential exposure hazards, 
Um, then you want to evaluate it. So sometimes that might be, you know, doing um, air monitoring or it might be something more qualitative and visual. But uh, yeah, you basically want to kind of uh, come to uh, figure out what what the risk might be. You know, is this a high risk or is it something more like moderate or low? And then from that point, then you can work on controlling and mitigating it. And, mm-hmm. um, you know, you have a wide variety and, and a hierarchy to follow. So if you can just kind of eliminate and remove the hazard that that's preferred, um, that's not always possible. You know, sometimes it's just inherent to that specific industry or, or project. You know, you can't remove the hazard. Um, so then you move down the line and go to like engineering solutions. So, you know, can can you improve the ventilation? Can you isolate it? Maybe you can build like a barrier around the hazard or something like that. You see that a lot in like the um, the asbestos abatement industry where you, um, you know, if they're doing asbestos abatement, removing it from a building, they'll build like, you know, negatively pressurized containment right around the building or the room and then just kind of, you know, uh, isolate it from the other areas where there might be other people. Um, then you can have things like administrative controls. So there's things you can do administratively to help, you know, minimize exposures and then a last resort. But unfortunately, it often does play quite a big role, um, is personal protective equipment. So things like respirators, gloves, things like that. That's never the preferred option just because there's lots of, uh, potential ways that, you know, people might not wear it properly or it might fail. But um, yeah, that that is in the, uh, I guess, toolkit for mitigating uh, exposures. Yeah. And I bet that was huge for you um, during the pandemic. And that was a, a big growth. Yeah, uh, we did. Uh, so a lot of people didn't know what, you know, the pandemic hit and a lot of people were kind of like, you know, nervous, like uh, the economy wasn't good and whatnot. And we didn't know really what to expect because like, you know, we work in so many different industries and we ended up being busier because we did, you know, especially in the film industry got hit really hard where it was very difficult for them to work under a lot of the um, the COVID protocols and whatnot. So yeah, we were pretty heavily involved in, you know, uh, exposure planning and, you know, mitigation works uh, in that realm. Yeah. Yeah, um, especially like hospitals and and the safety area there where, mm-hmm. you know, germs and all that um, yeah, yeah. comes into play. So it's interesting that it can be applied across the industry, you know, multiple industries. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's one of the things I like about the industry, to be honest, because it, um, you know, it keeps things new and interesting. Like, I never know, you know, we, we can get a call any given week for some industry that like I know nothing about. And then, you know, you it's almost like being back back in school, but all the time it kind of keeps you sharp because then you have to research and you have to find yeah. out, okay, like what what does this industry do? And like uh, figure out all the things that might be applicable to that uh, exposure hazard that they're calling you about. Right. And as the same way that you and your team are being educated and are learning, if it's a new industry that comes so at your desk, you are also training and educating the opposite. And right? you're teaching other people, you're, you have yep. a platform um, mm-hmm. and that's very dear to you. So let's talk about that. Sure. Yeah. So we, we can do education and training in various ways. Sometimes we'll get retained to, you know, uh, in some form of like either public speaking or uh, speaking to workers, like actually in person. So it might be on like hazard awareness. So ju- just for instance, you might get called in to talk to a group of workers about some chemical that they they have to handle, and you know what are the health effects, what are the um, the safety protocols, like you know, so something like that in person. Sometimes we will get retained to develop training like programs. So it might be something like a hard copy, you know, like a PDF, like a a safe work procedure or something like that. 
And then other times it might be something that we actually like a training program, like on a learning management system. Like we might actually like have uh, training with like embedded videos and questions and, um, you know, material content like that, where they would actually maybe do like an hour long course or something and they could do it online. So that, that's another way that we, uh, we have done training in the past. Yeah. Um, it's informing the, not just the employees, but the, the employers. That's um, so right. that they can course, prevent yeah. a lot of that stuff mm-hmm. in the future. What's some of the, I, I don't want to say horrific, some of the things that, that you've seen that could have been prevented that, like, you know, spill that, you know, acid on somebody's arm or something like. Yeah, I haven't seen anything quite like that. You know, the, a lot often and often, luckily, it's more like, like uh, near misses or things like that. Like a few years back, like yeah. quite a while back now, there was um, a scare at the ports where like something like basically like, you know, there's the big sea cans that they transport things in. And, you know, it, it just basically like blew up kind of. And so there was yeah. like and, you know, they don't know what's in it because there's thousands of them and. You know, uh, they come from all over. And like this mm-hmm. one, I think, came from China. And like, they didn't know if it was labeled properly. And so like, as far as I'm aware, no one really got hurt or anything like that. But like, it was a big scare. It shut down the port for a very long time. And like, it's got big, like, financial implications. And, you know, the the union wasn't happy and things like that. So um, I've seen situations like that. Yeah, that's probably the best example I can give just off the top of my head. Luckily, I haven't been involved in any like where workers got like seriously hurt. So yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Thanks you for sharing that because it can happen. Um, yeah. So like, we're doing a great job mitigating the risk, right? Yeah, <laughs> Making yeah. sure it doesn't it doesn't show up. Mm-hmm. What about environmental in terms of like you just talking about the port? You know, because there was the oil thing uh, years ago or with the like. Do you have work in that magnitude? Um, so we typically are involved with worker and worker exposure. We don't do too much in the realm of like kind of environmental contamination unless it's, you know, involving the, the workers. Yeah. Um, but yeah, no, there certainly could be instances where we get called in sometimes like with contaminated sites and stuff like that. There'll be, um, like workers excavating, handling contaminated soil and things like that. Mm-hmm. And then we'll, we'll be involved more with, um, monitoring the, uh, their exposure. So making sure the workers have proper protocols, you know, are they wearing gas monitors to make sure they're not overexposed? Do they have the proper PPE on and like that. So that's typically how we would get brought into like a larger scale kind of environmental type yeah. um, situation. Yeah. Nice. Thanks for sharing. So mm-hmm. let's talk about some of the habits that you put into place because, you know, you got to prepare yourself as well. Um, yeah. Let's talk about morning routines. How do you get up, dress up and show up? Yeah. So for me, I, I, uh, I don't have anything too, too fancy. I mean, uh, a few things that are really important. I like to get out and definitely get like a little bit of exercise. So I'm not one of these people that does like some people do like crazy hard workouts and stuff at like five in the morning. So that's not me. I can't do that. I do have a dog and you know, I, it's really important to get out and do, do at least like a 20 minute, 30 minute walk with the dog. Um, it's kind of nice. It just clears your head. You know, I don't really think about too much else, um, you know, regarding work and stuff. So that's nice in the morning to kind of get out and get some fresh air and a little bit of exercise. I try not to have a coffee too early. So like mm-hmm. I, I do drink coffee and I think it'd be a tough day to go a full day without, but I find it is uh, more useful to have it like after at least an hour into the day. 
Um, I, I forget where if it was online or I read somewhere, but um, I had heard like, a, I think a doctor who knows much more about it than me kind of say the same thing. And I think it's something to do with cortisol levels or something Ooh. where, um, you know, you don't need it right first thing in the morning, but about an hour in is where people's levels kind of start to dip. And then that's where, you know, the caffeine might kind of perk you up. So I do, I do like a morning coffee, just not right away. And I like to just kind of have a look at my schedule and make sure that there's, you know, no new emails. Cause you know, in this industry, sometimes I'll wake up in the morning and kind of, you know, you glance at your phone and there'll be some email and something like bad happened like the night before or something or something urgent. And it's yeah. something somebody needed like yesterday. And it's like, okay, so this is important and this will change my day. So I might've had a calendar plan from the, you know, the week, but this changes things. And so, you know, I, I like to know that pretty early in the morning, if that's going to affect my day. Um, but then otherwise, I like to just kind of confirm and, you know, make sure that um, the calendar that I had lined up already, that nothing's changed. If I have like something really intensive, like a report or something like that, I do find I'm a little more productive in the morning. So I might yeah. you know make sure that that's kind of in my first, you know, couple hours of the day. And uh, yeah, th that's, that's really it. So nothing, oh, and, and a good breakfast. So, you know, like, you know, eggs or, you know, make sure you get a bit of protein, something like that. If I try to just work off of like, you know, no breakfast or fruit, then it might be a bit of a, bit of a hard go, but um, yeah. yeah. You're, you're planning to optimize your energy throughout the day. That's, that's, yeah, that's, that's a good way to put it. Yeah. That's right. Yeah, that the morning routine does that for you. And I hear it a lot. Um, the notion of working on the hardest task first is eating your frog first. And a lot of entrepreneurs okay. does that because I guess you're you have you're all there mentally, your brain, your the beta waves, everything. You're just so fresh mm -hmm. from resting all night. So it, what what's a big daunting task at two PM is a lot easier at nine, eight AM because you have right. you don't have to decision fatigue. You didn't uh, you utilize all your willpower, your brain power. Yeah, no, for sure. Yeah, I see that. So yeah, I, I would to get agree. around to it. Yeah. Mm -hmm. uh, thank you for sharing that. Um, that helps just people knowing that morning routines, it's tailored, it's, it's yours, right? It works yeah. for you. Your motto is optimizing energy for throughout the day. That works. And people, we, we love to hear um, the different ways we utilize the morning routine so that we can show up. You show up for your clients, you show up for your team members and um, your family and everything. So thank you for sharing that. Yeah, of course. Tell us where can we connect with you? Where can we find you? Oh, sure. Yeah. So we do have a website. Um, it's AuraHealthAndSafety.com. So A-U-R-A -A, and then health and safety. We're located in Burnaby, uh, British Columbia. So up here in uh, Canada, you know, I'm on I'm on LinkedIn and, you know, Mona and our other our other staff are on LinkedIn as well. So that, yeah, that'd probably be the best way either either through the website or on, you know, message on LinkedIn, I would say. Perfect. Yeah, I appreciate that. We love to leave with a quote or a favorite saying. If you have one, get it wow, out. My goodness. Um, <laughs> you quote or favorite saying. Uh, that's, a, that's a tough one. I wasn't expecting that one. Um, I would say just kind of in the, you know, the theme of the show is um, not, not a quote, but just, you know, don't, you know, don't hit snooze. Like I find like, yeah, you know, you do got to get up and kind of get to things early. And uh, yeah, I find if I, if there is a day where I'm kind of hitting snooze and a little slow in the morning, then yeah, probably not going to be a, uh, an effective day. So, yeah. It sets the tone for the rest of the day. That's well put. I like that one. You, mm -hmm. you tailor it to, to morning routine, but yeah, hitting snooze, just, it's a domino effect of, some things you don't want out actually. So thank you for sharing that. Yeah, of course. Perfect. Thank you for coming, Levi. It's been an honor. It's been a great joy having you on the show. Okay. Yeah, of course. Yeah. Thanks so much for having me on. Nice to meet you. Yes. 
Well, all right, morning enthusiasts, that's it for today's show. Thank you for tuning in. If you love the best morning routine ever podcast, we'd love to hear from you. So go ahead and subscribe, rate, and give a review on iTunes or Google Play. While you're at it, tell a friend about the show. Be sure to visit bestmorningroutineever.com and our Facebook group to join the conversation, access the show notes, and discover our fantastic free bonus content. Until next time.